0: we are tonight's entertainment you can't handle the truth the fire rises pizza time you're a wizard harry So to be you know how much i sacrificed. you think that's air you're breathing in? groovy i don't have friends i got family we
1: are sex before
0: craft services
2: hey trent
1: hey barth you're looking well
2: Thank you. You're looking mighty fine yourself. We have a film podcast. That we do, Trent. Uh, just, what have you been eating most recently, Trent? I think we are going to have the same answer.
1: Nothing so far today. Yep. What do we do? Well, what what, what did you have for dinner last about? night? Okay, good save. Um, you go first. While I think, sorry. Wow, well,
2: that's great. Um, I. Why was I? Out? Oh, I was working at. Um,
0: my casa.
2: Um. Oh, TJ Max. TJ Max. Home Goods. Um. And Maxinista. yeah, I am. And I came back at ten o'clock p.m. And I came home to an empty house. Why did I come home to an empty house?
1: Okay, I pull up, hop out at the after party, kind of like that vibe. You invite all your high school friends over. Yeah, got six pack.
2: Yeah, <laughs> my parents were attending a ten p.m. Dolby showing of Bob
1: Marley One Love, Trent's most anticipated film of the year. Uh Parth's making fun of me because <clears throat> we listed our most anticipated films of 2024 in no specific order and I happened to say Bob Marley One Love first.
2: <laughs> I said, "What is your most
1: anticipated film?" and you said, "Bob Marley One Love." Parth's backdrop just for fun facts, maybe we can post a picture. It's it's sort of like a promotional picture for Bob Marley Win Love, and then there's a big thing that says "Get Tickets," <laughs> um, which and is I like to just funny. like point to it. My time parents time. would never, ever in a million years like leave the house to do anything after ten p.m.
2: My parents are crazy; they'll like stay the up night, until three a.m. Yeah,
1: that would like bo- bother me. Mm. I feel like I, well, I, like, my dad's
2: my dad sleeps at like a, a pretty normal time. Um, but my mom has always been kind of, uh, I'm up late at night, but she's usually just reading in her room, so.
1: I only say that because I feel like there's a certain point in the night after, like, 11, where I'm, like, everyone's asleep, and then now I can be a night owl. I'm gonna fuck shit up. Yeah, I gotta fuck shit up. I'm gonna play Bob Marley One Love on the TV. (laughs) I can make a frozen pizza. Yeah, um, but... I, I used to go to, uh, uh actually, no, I won't tell the story. It incriminates me too much. What? Uh, so. Okay. Okay. So, uh, we used to have sleepovers. My best friend in high school, is Zach Basile, you remember?
2: Mm-hmm. Of the Attack okay. of the Clones discussion.
1: Oh, yeah. And of our second episode ever? Last y- Jedi Yeah, discussion. yeah. He was
2: on for Last Jedi. Forgot.
1: I doubt he'll be hearing this, but it is Spider-Verse. Who knows? Okay, basically we'd have sleepovers at his house, and we were in high school, so we wanted to, like, smoke weed at the end of the night. No. mom And his mom would stay up until, like, 4 a.m., like, sorting mail in the <laughs> kitchen. And and I'd be, like, in the basement, like, when's this chick gonna go to bed? And she never would. Oh, can I tell you what I had for for dinner last night? you bought me enough time.
2: Sure, but let me quickly just say, my parents were gone, so I heated oh. up some chicken taquitos.
1: Oh, good save! I just know I'll forget to tell it. Otherwise. Were they any good? Oh, they're Costco chicken taquitos. Come on,
2: they're fantastic.
1: I I feel like that used to be a staple. That you know how as a kid you'd go through like after school snack mm. phases. That was sure. that, that was one of the phases for me. It's a good phase. And you're you're one. What, what I it. did, what I did in fourth grade, you're doing now. That says a lot. All right. What did you have? Taste wise, um, Anthony and I got home from a night of being out, and I made us. I was like, Anthony, let me make you dinner, buddy. And he was like, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. I'm gonna make something. So I wanna make a protein shake, and then he's out of his supplies, and he's like, okay. And I'm like, let me whip you up a turkey Reuben and mm. blow your fucking mind. Oh, and I know shit. I said this on another episode, but it's because I've been eating a lot of them. But I made us both turkey rubens, Russian dressing, sauerkraut, turkey, cheddar cheese, a little rye bread. That sounds delectable. Doesn't that sound pretty good? It does. And then had like some carrots, a little nutritional value, a little iced tea. Not too shabby. But now I wake up at, and my stomach's like... Mm. So unhappy.
2: Trent, you know what still sounds good after 4 years?
1: Um Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. The intro. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film, and hopefully have a crew member of the film that'll talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week, we had...
2: Michael Andrews. We're continuing our conversation from last week. That's right. This is a
1: part two
2: um, of a part one.
1: No no like. one should be surprised at this point that yeah. we're milking these interviews for all they're worth.
2: Well, to be fair, I think, I think the audience likes these interviews and more... Um, Bite-sized, you know. We're the, we're the TikTok generation, you know. So no, don't know yeah, what course that was. Our is pretty short. Um, but yeah, we talked with Michael Andrews. We get into some more specific scenes. Um He confirms to us that whether or not he is working on Beyond the Spider Verse, the sequel. Um, I'm, I yeah. think people will just have to wait to find out. Yeah, seriously. Um, I'm trying to, you know, I'd be we surprised should,
1: if wasn't working on it yeah you know? seriously <laughs>
2: um, but then again craft services episodes are full of surprising information so you never know
1: you have to stick around it's like <clears throat> there's gonna be a huge surprise at the end but you can't just skip to the end because there's gonna be a bunch of little surprises along mm-hmm. the way
2: yeah it's like a perfectly crafted screenplay it's just like you're just like constantly getting little bits like good scenes you know what I mean uh, That that analogy didn't really work That's right, Trent. Brett, I'm just gonna cut it out. Didn't make any sense.
1: And a movie with good scenes, for example, is Bob Marley One Love. (laughs) (laughs) Or um, of the same vein, of another excellent high-caliber film. Our film for today, Spider-Man into the Spider Verse. No, well, it's across the Spider Verse. Okay. (laughs) And our film for today is Spider-Man across the Spider Verse, the second movie in the Spider Verse. Spider. Spider-rip. That's right Trent. Um <laughs> the spiderification. Um
2: all right, should we just cut into Michael Andrews talking about the movie?
1: But Sp- let I'm trying to think of something with spider- All right, we're going to do it.
2: Do <laughs> the interview.
1: So there's a good amount of like split screen going on in this movie and we were wondering is all of that storyboarded to death? I'm sure a lot of it is or can any of it come sort of naturally as like in the editing room, how do we make this more exciting? Oh, what yeah. if we did split screen? Or if it, yeah, yeah.
0: It comes about it uh, in every phase, really. Like sometimes the storyboard artists do uh add it. And then sometimes we'll be in edit. We'll be looking at a scene, and and they'll be like, "Oh, this would be a, a, a good place for a burst card. Let's throw that in there." And let's uh, let's you know it's it's just it's just part of the process. We're always constantly looking to plus, um, and um, they'll do it either uh, in the storyboard phase or the layout phase. Sometimes it happens late in the game. Sometimes it happens even when they're in lighting. They're like, "Oh, you know what we could really use here is." like some sort of card um sometimes we did it like and this is the beauty of working on a comic book movie is you can follow that sort of format right. where you can uh you can add those layers and and it actually helps you because sometimes um it helps you explain things you know like in comic books they have those little yellow editor note boxes and um like we could explain what uh, Miguel meant when he said "hammer space," and we could explain some of the things that uh, Punk said because <laughs> people were struggling with it. his his thick accent. So, uh, I came in really handy for that kind of thing. But there's also like all those, you know, really that, all that great like sort of comic book imagery and burst cards, and uh, you know the text on screen and all the you know like all the stuff in India that they they threw on screen. It, it's all you know all, it all adds it's all additive and it's all kind of created at whatever you know in whatever department we're in at the time when somebody goes hey you know what would be great here and uh, uh, you know it's just something it's just one of those things that everyone just keeps kind of uh, trying to you know keep the movie plus with the, anything you can possibly throw in
2: so this movie has three credited directors. Uh, what does that mean for you? Are you talking to all three or sort of duties getting split between the three of them? So you're only talking to one or two of them? or
0: They're all amazing human beings and very talented people. Uh, Joaquim de Santos is quite possibly the best board artist I've ever worked with. He, he draws a lot. Kemp is a fantastic writer. Um, Justin was the production designer on the first movie. Uh, and handles a lot of that. So they all come with these incredible strengths. And, um, you know, we would, in the beginning especially, we would all, you know, work together in editorial and all have, you know, be able to chime in about, about the movie. And and they all, uh, you know, had fantastic input. And um, as things got rolling and we got deeper in, sometimes I, you know, I would, only be with one of them while the other two were off doing other things and you know sometimes Joaquin had to go concentrate on boarding a whole new scene so he didn't really have time to be in edit so he would focus on that or you know production design itself obviously is a mountain to climb on this movie and they needed Justin to be more hands on in that department too so he was yanked over to help out more with that so you know it's it's kind of um, part of the way like Chris Miller and Phil Lord also work they're you know they're technically producers but they're very hands-on themselves and they're and and they like to have an army of people that they like and trust and can you know give certain tasks to and you know like I had two associates uh, Andy Leviton and Chet Hoffman and sometimes uh you know, one of the other directors or Chris Miller or somebody would go off and work with them on a whole other scene. Like, like oh, let's go try something new. And they would go take that and run with it in the other room and come up with a bunch of uh, alt jokes or whatever they, they happen to be working on. So oftentimes the other directors would go work on, you know, if we recorded an actor or something, they'd go work on that production dialogue with one of my other editors. and So it's, it's you know, it's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, um, so sometimes... People have to be shuffled around to be able to handle them all.
1: Is multiple directors uh, more common in animated films throughout all, like, levels of animation, or is it unique to, like, very large-scale projects such as, like, this or, like, a Pixar movie or whatever?
0: It was always pretty common at DreamWorks. I'd say, you know, a lot of the movies there, they would put two on um sometimes you know like tom mcgrath who did megamind he, he was someone who you know would like to work solo um three was the most i'd ever worked with I, I hadn't seen three before that was a new one for me um but uh two is pretty common i'd say i think a lot of the movies today are made with at least two
1: and is it just because there can be like a very, a more clear division of labor than there is.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think so. I think it's, I think that's how it kind of works out. Cause you do end up kind of a very common phrase is divide and conquer. Uh, and so they, you know, they send one director to go work with someone and the other one works in edit while the other one goes, does animation. That sort of thing happens a lot.
2: So we had a couple of scenes that we wanted to sort of. Uh, ask you about just uh, because there's some scenes that stand out. Uh, The first one being the opening like uh, Gwen's drum solo is really uh, I saw this movie in IMAX and um, when it happened the whole like as it was being put together you could just sort of feel the air of like oh this is going to be really good. Um, So can you talk (laughs) about um, I'm sure building all the layers to that was must have been kind of a nightmare. Um, but it, it really, you pulled it off. So if you could talk about putting it together,
0: <laughs> it was a crazy scene. It was a great scene to open the movie with. It really got you in the mindset of, uh, you know, how many layers of the, this movie was going to have. Uh, and it was an interesting scene because it was, it was Gwen. It wasn't miles. Um, you know, you're seeing a sequel to a movie. You go in, you're probably expecting the first thing you see is, Oh, I'm miles Morales. I'm the guy you saw in the first movie. Um, and like I said, the way Chris Miller and Phil Lord work, they're going to give you the unexpected. And they thought that that was a brilliant start to the movie because you don't expect it. And and when you know takes over the first twenty minutes of the movie, which you also don't expect, and it and it works, it totally works. Which you know, I think that's kind of unheard of in a sequel. You don't really even see you know the main character for quite a while. We did actually have to you know. Sprinkle miles in here and there to keep everyone reminded of you know it is this movie after all um but it was really fun to do that to the music and um uh and the fact that she was drumming it was you know um it, it it's sort of an editor's uh, dream to cut a scene like that and it uh it 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 was one that just never stopped um you know layering you know we do, we just kept building every single little layer we could to it all the way up to even the mix stage we were still adding stuff uh visually to it um you know I was sitting on the mix stage with my avid and still working on that scene and uh and it was one of the first things I, I think I worked on when I first arrived um but it was it was uh you know boarded in the beginning and then you know we started to Think about well what other information do we need so we pulled imagery from the first movie um which makes it kind of easy that that's pre-existing but we also didn't want to uh just be cheap about it and say hey audience remember the first movie we wanted to layer that up with imagery that makes it feel different so um there was a lot of uh, effects put on the shots or different sort of like uh, you know color schemes that were put on the shots um you know and we we never we just never let up, uh, uh, and you know, like I remember Phil saying, "Oh, you know what we need? We need like drum hits. Have you ever seen those uh, YouTube videos of slow mo drum hits on paint?" And I, I was like, "So I like built in some of those shots, and you know, we were just sort of like scrambling to find anything we could to, uh, give it the feel and the vibe, and also tell the story. Um, and it and it was a it was a delicate balance because you know it's it's Gwen's narration, we're in her head. And I think that's what I really liked about it is like we're getting into her psyche and we're we're actually like um we're literally seeing what's going on inside her mind and and, and there's a lot of crazy things going on and she's thinking about the past and she's thinking about the future and there's, you know, glimpses of things to come and glimpses of things that happened to her in the first movie, as well as off screen that we never even saw before. So it's kind of combining multiple things from the past the present and future. And uh, there's a lot going on there. And, you know, the big debate we always had was like, well, how clear do we have to be about this? Like, do we want it to be crystal clear so that everyone understands exactly what's happening or do we want it to be more impressionistic that you just leave feeling, wow. Well, I, I'm not sure I got all that, but that was cool, and that and I want more. <laughs> uh, whatever, whatever glimpse I just saw of that, I want to see more of that, and, I, and 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 that's what's supposed to lead you into the movie. And I think, you know, it took us a long time to get there, but I think we did get there in the end, where you feel like you're hooked after that.
2: Another like I mean, this is much more of a sequence, but uh, the whole Mombatan sequence. What was the process of making that sequence? into that sequence was that pretty much how it always was written or like, were there changes that we don't see now as opposed to what's in the movie?
0: I mean, it's another one that's like essentially the bones are there and you've got, you know, all the, the, uh, the, the major story points are there. I think what, um, what developed along the way, mostly with that one was making it um, more fun hmm. like it was it was you know there were there were definitely times where early on and early cuts it was it's a, it was a lot of stuff <laughs> going by your eyes and it was it was a lot to take in and it was you know we were trying to tell uh a lot of story and uh and make it you know visually interesting and we were introducing Pav, and we were introducing punk almost back to back these two new characters come in so it's a lot to throw at the audience um and i think you know for a while it just sort of kind of played like stuff you know it just didn't feel like it didn't have it didn't have any kind of emotion to it and it, um so it took a long time for us to you know get past okay this this just is an action we got to make this feel like something's really happening here and we got to be and it's one. you know it's a very common thing i find that you know storyboard artists even while they're working sort of myopically at their desk drawing away, sometimes you forget about point of view. You just you forget about the, 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 what the main character is thinking every step of the way, and that's what always has to be the glue to every scene, um, and you just can't forget it. And sometimes, you know, in the early cuts of Mumbah, all this stuff was happening, but you didn't really know how people were feeling. So I think once we started recording the actors and they started bringing gold to it and we got past you know just our uh, our own voices being in it uh, you know they like Jason Schwartzman added so much comedy to it um, you know when we created Pob they found uh, Karen Sony to do the voice and he um, brought something you know so fresh and new to the character that surprised everyone and um, and it, he has kind of a soft voice and it was really hard to like mix that through all the action and all the sound and everything that was happening. But there was something so charming about him that, you know, you immediately love the character. Um, And Jason Schwartzman's stuff was so comedic that um, like everything they brought just kept enhancing the scene. And then when uh, Daniel Kaluuya came on, we were just completely blown away by what he did with it, you know, and he, he turned punk into, um this new lovable character that we hadn't felt yet you know and like suddenly he kind of stole the show he was like super funny and uh and a big surprise to everyone we didn't know it was going to go that way and it was so once we had those character elements layered in and then all the little jokes about like you know miles (laughs) that was a big one um uh even like miles response and his jealousy throughout you know for you know the, the the team that he's not part of and also like whatever the relationship between Gwen and punk is and all that like all that really it was all additive again like uh, along the way that uh, built that into what it was
2: um, and then while we're talking about all the spider-mans like the last scene um i wanted to talk about specifically is the whole spider chase um, seems like a technical hurdle. Um, so if you could talk about the iteration you went through with how that was all put together as well.
0: The spider chase was crazy. Um, it was, you know, when you, when you really break it down, it, it's three sequences of a chase. And that's, you know, that's hard to carry off. Like pe- People do get fatigue and uh there is such a thing as action fatigue and you, you know, like you don't want that's the one thing you really don't want to do especially in an action sequence is bore your audience that's the, that's the last thing you want to do um so you know the, the chase obviously starts in the spider society and all the various spider-men are chasing him through uh you know we had a nice crisp short version of that in the beginning that i felt played really well um, but then it becomes, you know, he jumps through the window, it becomes this external chase through the city, and then it becomes this, they crash through into the underground, it becomes this uh, another chase through the underground, and then they arrive on the train, which becomes its own little action scene, too, on top of that. So it's all, all that combined. It's like one massive action scene, really. Um, and it gets, it's it's nice because it, it gets more in tense as it goes like the first scene it we wanted it to be a little more frivolous and fun and um you know we wanted people to respond the way they did to all the characters that they're seeing uh pop up on screen and the hundreds of different spider-men that you see uh and uh you know early versions of it were uh a little simpler and i think we just kept going back into it and rewriting we just kind of wanted we wanted to make it funnier and funnier and funnier and we just kept throwing in jokes wherever we could and um at one point it was just it was so fat i you know i didn't even know how to deal with it anymore because like it it got so long that it it took you out by the time you got to the rest of the chase so that by the time you were there you're not you're you're done you don't even want you're as cool as the you know the 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 vertical train scene is like you're so worn out by all the other stuff by the time you get there that you can't even enjoy it. So we had to hone it and we had to go back several times and go, well, this this will have to go. This will have to go. And there were some great jokes um, that unfortunately ended up on the cutting room floor. But uh, uh, that's what we had to do to get it to a happy place where, you know, people had just enough to to call it fun and, and advance the story. And get us outside. And then we, you know, then we, even that scene, like we had to shorten that down a bit too, because we took too much time outside and we took too much time underground and we had to take a little bit off the train just to make it all feel just
1: about right. So I had this thought during even just like the opening title sequence with all the layers and the flashes and the glitching that, that we're talking about. And, um, and I was like, your brain, you know, is, is only uh, barely has so much has enough time to process, you know, all of these images. And I was wondering if it's your job or whose job it is to be like, OK, this is going to be 0.2 seconds. This is going to be 0.3 seconds and this they're going to register and this they're not going to register, you know, because there's so so much, you know, quick image yeah. flashing
0: it. It, I mean this is definitely uh, I would say I don't know how many shots are in this movie but it's got to be the most I've ever worked with. Um, uh, and there's there's definitely a lot of very quick imagery and it's kind of it kind of goes back to what I was saying where you're you're either going to you know make everything crystal clear or make everything leave an impression. And I think I lean more towards let's leave an impression. And I i i think that's much more rewarding and satisfying and you don't again you don't want to bore anyone and uh and and i feel like too much clarity uh is kind of a little offensive to the audience to some degree it's like you don't want to over explain everything because we had a lot of you know there was a lot of confusion about you know when miles gets to earth 42 in the beginning and we had to pepper in a little quick little visuals of you know, flashbacks, uh, things Miguel had said to him. And um, and we overdid it at one point. And it was like, oh, no, we're, we're kind of hammering it into the audience right now. And it's too much. So we peeled back and we found the the right amount. So it's always, you know, it's, there's, nothing is planned in advance, like, really, like, well, you say, like, this is two seconds, that should definitely be on like that. You, like, sometimes um, it's defined by the cut that we do have. Like, sometimes I'll cut the storyboards together and it'll feel right to, you know for this beat whatever it is that image to fall in that particular amount of frames um and we we try to stick to that sometimes when things go into production they start to go oh but you need more to register and then we get into a little bit of a tug of war about like well do we (laughs) because you know sometimes sometimes i feel like production can think about the movie in shots and not uh globally and we're always trying to think globally and um you know, sometimes the point of a shot is, uh, is just to get you from A to B and not not to spend much time with it. You know, yeah. like, let's just get through it quickly. And um, and I also uh, lean more towards, like, um, you know, like, let leave the audience wanting more. You know, like, it's the old less is more thing where I, like, I give them just enough to... You know keep them engaged and, and, and wanting more I mean this was a two hour and 20 minute movie it was it was the longest animated movie ever made and I feel like there were times when we we felt like oh it, we'd preview it and we'd go okay they they feel I feel lulls. so you can feel the room like uh and we went back in and we reshaped those scenes where those lulls were and got it to a point where I feel like most people were saying I wanted more uh, which was fantastic. I felt like we'd succeeded, you know, getting us to that point. So, for the length that it is, you know, I think the choices we made as far as how, how long things were on screen were correct in the end, because I don't feel like anyone was confused or frustrated or, you know, and, and, and they only seemed to want more.
2: Sort of wrapping up our Spider-Man talk, um, how long were you on? across the spider verse four all told
0: uh a little over two years
2: it's a long time to
0: work I mean, on a movie yeah i mean the norm in animation is three oh like from start yeah. to finish well. um uh and there was a year um before i even got here but um yeah i've i've you know some of some movies i think pixar even takes longer i think they take like five sometimes uh they take as long as they need to and uh, and you know, there was my old boss Jeffrey Katzenberg used to say, "There's no excuse for an animated, a bad animated movie because you have the time." <clears throat> but, I mean, you also have to, you also have to have the money, but uh, uh, like, you you should be able to work out all the kinks. Uh, but sometimes that production train leaves the building, and there's no stopping it, and you know, you end up with something mediocre. But uh, you know, luckily we. We were able to, you know, split the movie, which was a wise move. We were able to, we, we, which also forced us to, um, uh, we had to push our release date once. Um, and that allowed us to, you know, keep going and make the movie we wanted to make. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of variables involved.
2: I, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this, but are you attached to beyond the spider verse?
0: Um, I'm, Sitting at my desk right now, uh, working on it. Oh, cool! <laughs> good to <laughs> know. That's all you. That's all you get, though. Fair enough.
1: <laughs> that answers the question. Um, this is just a, like a spur of the moment question, but as an editor, what are the qualities of good of a good editor? What makes a good editor in someone else or in yourself?
0: Uh, good question. I feel like, you know, you have to have, you have to have a knack for, uh, I mean, I, I feel like timing is not even like the right word, but like you have to be, you have to be able, be able to, uh, shape story and you have to be able to think about what each beat, the point of each beat, uh, is and what, what you need to do to make that be the best story it could possibly be. Um, and part of that is, you know, you know, storytelling and uh, creatively trying to craft something that an audience can absorb and, and enjoy. Um, and part of that is, is the flow of it, like making the pacing and the flow of it feel um, appropriate to the story. Um, and, you know, for me I feel like, you know, in animation especially I had to sort of cultivate a knack for uh being able to cut whatever was put in front of me. because uh, there's different genres, there's different you know, you have to be able to tackle whatever whatever's given to you. And um in animation, uh I think even more so in live action, you have to be able to cover the grounds of drama and comedy and you know, emotion and heart uh, and action. You have to be able to do all those things. Uh, And I feel like, uh, um, you know, thanks to movies that I've worked on in the past, like, uh, I was able to slowly develop those skills. And um, I I seem to have something instinctive in me from the beginning, just based on... um, I'm, I'm very bad at, like, judging myself, but based on what people tell me and what my teachers told me even in my early days like i seem to have a knack for something <laughs> uh, uh to be able to build something and time it well and um uh so you know i i i assume some of it's built in um and and maybe that stems from all those afternoons i spent watching movies every day you know and studying how they were made and um like it all kind of added up over the years
2: trent i think it's a great time. Do you think it's time to go to, um, the big kahuna,
1: the big kahuna final question. Um, (laughs) all right. So all you, all you, thank you. Uh,
2: the big kahuna final question. Um, it's not too scary. Um, it's just, what's the last great movie you've watched? Um, and it has to be, it can be a rewatch or a first time watch, but it has to be great.
0: Oh, wow. No,
2: (laughs) I said, it's not scary, but many guests have, uh, become very scared by
0: it these always stump me i think my 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 favorite movie of this year so far has been Oppenheimer. i'll, I'll yeah. say that much mm-hmm. i think those guys yeah. yeah what a
1: treat
0: yeah that's yeah. that was spectacular and that was another one that i you know even watching that i felt like oh wow this this editor went through a lot of what i went through i could tell like that is that same sort of uh, you know a lot of imagery coming at you uh you know present yes. tense future tense all, yeah. all these things like uh uh it's uh, it must have been quite the challenge uh to edit that and she's been awarded many times which is wonderful no i mean in in in, in recent watchings it's definitely that one and i i i had the honor of like um you know this is this was kind of a big breakthrough for for me and and for and someone who has been editing animated movies, um, I've been nominated several times for spider verse against live-action movies, which is you know unheard of because I feel like they, they don't always get what we do <laughs> in animation, and they, they often just sort of relegate us to one category of best animated feature and don't really um, don't really think about all the individual departments. You know and i and its sadly, like you know well, well editing included, but like production design, like look at our movie, like doesn't that not deserve production design, does that not deserve visual effects? um you know, I was quite shocked by the Oscars, uh not by i i mean, I sort of knew we would be overlooked uh for those things, but like I feel like at least Daniel Pemberton should have I was been, upset about nominated. that I couldn't believe that, yeah no. I mean. I, I feel like he's sort of fallen into this trap of animation sort of not getting its you know proper due. Its due, yeah.
2: If it makes you feel any better, Trent and I both um, properly appreciate this movie and animation. Okay.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I, yeah, I'm sure that's
2: proper consolation. Yeah. <laughs> We're a proper substitute <laughs> for yes. the Academy, but
0: thank, thank God we've got you two.
2: It's what we always say.
1: Yeah, part of the honor bring us out
2: sure um thank you so much to editor michael andrews he's the editor behind such films as shrek 2 shrek the third megamind our film for today spider-man across the spider-verse thank you so much for coming on today
0: yeah it was great fun
2: wow what an interview trent
0: Whoa!
1: That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> that
2: was kind of um, big change in energy there.
1: I moved away from the mic. No, I, so I, I, I appreciated
2: on. that. Um, thank you so much. Whoa!
1: That was fun.
2: Okay. <laughs> thank you so much to editor Michael Andrews for coming on the show. Um, we really appreciate uh, your time and coming on, and hopefully yes. we'll have you on for beyond the spider-verse maybe we can get a press screening he's pointing that out there see
1: that shit early a very high profile guest who very uh, esteemed editor super cool person and worked uh, on a lot
2: of movies like shrek 2 and 3 and megamind and that we didn't even get to talk about because um we, we, just yeah, had so we much were so to wrapped
1: up in our conversation that well, yeah, we have sort of uh, the other movies people have worked on as a little bit of a safety net, Um but if we're just so entrenched in Spider-Man, which Parth and I can easily do, don't yeah, have we're, we're, all, we're
2: we're knee deep. Spider-Man.
1: Right, th- oh, I guess we talked about with the first Spider-Man with Alex Lane, which is fucking crazy. We and did we talk, uh, did we and we talked about we Spider talk Man about 2, Spider-Man One and, we'll,
2: and Spider Man Two famously with Adam Lewis, co-host and, of, the and, Eye of the Duck podcast, a
1: uh, camera operator Joseph Sissio.
2: Yeah, which was a cursed interview because of how many technical difficulties there were in
1: game. And it. but I think it, I skipped my memory because we never talked about three.
2: No, we never did, be, and th- there's a reason. I there was there's a guest that has oh, been I remember this. Yeah, there's there's a person I really wanted to interview um that wow. it seemed like it would happen then it didn't seem like it would happen and I've been on an email chain with this person for like 3 years now. Um, <laughs> oh, is it
1: still like still Oh, it's still happening. Going?
2: Yeah, no no no, for sure. We're going to interview redacted. Uh um, Wait,
1: still with hopes of it happening or is it hopeless?
2: No, it's with hopes of it happening, but it just keeps. This person is um, very busy, and so, and always getting interviewed. And I think that them talking about their work on Spider Man Three, they're
1: being interviewed by like higher caliber. Like, I
2: know it's it doesn't make sense, but
1: you know places of reporting than us.
2: Yeah, craft Services is where it's at.
1: We're like the Robin Hood. We're like we're like stealing interviews away from people who are too talented. Yeah, to from, just talk from to the us. Team Deacons podcast and giving them to the common folk who are just like, what's a DSLR?
2: Okay. <laughs> yes, thank you so much to Michael Andrews, and next week, I'm not sure what we have. There was a few episodes that we had planned that are not going to happen in the way that they were planned, so we'll figure wow. it out. So
1: much subtext. I don't even know what that means.
2: I know, I, I haven't had the chance to update Monsieur Alguerre on um, all that's brief been me, happening. Bro. Yeah, brief no, me once, once the call's done, I'll tell you. This is all off the record type shit. You know what I mean? Redacted.
1: Yeah. Yeah, when, you know, it's like 50 years from now, after Parth gets assassinated, they'll release these tapes and they'll be heavily redacted. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Spotify, okay. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, issue wherever you get your podcasts. We have Instagram, <laughs> wow. yeah. Instagram, Twitter. Pre- yeah. The artist previously known as um, Craft Services Podcast, I think, and that's us. Every Sunday, we release uh, new content, one way or another. Part's gonna tell me what's gonna happen next Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah don't, that's not good. I, I don't it's even not fucking good. Know.
2: It's not fucking good.
1: But probably, like, something cool or, like, something related to a movie or, like, an old movie or, like, a new release or, like, probably, like, an interview with, like, a person who worked on it. Like, that's my guess. Yeah. All
2: all of this sounds about right. Um, All right, guys. We'll see you next week, whatever that may be.
1: One heart. Let's get together and feel all right. (laughs) Sing it now.
2: (laughs) Okay.